When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to GatorsBreakdown.SupportingCast.FM to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Joining me tonight is co-host Will Miles. You can find him at a site, readandreaction.com on YouTube, at Read Reaction as well. And, Will, we started last week looking at targets. We started with the offensive side of the ball. This week we'll do the defensive side of the ball. And not as probably many high-profile names when we get to this. And, um, you know, look, uh, looking at it and looking at positions, you know, probably good thing Florida hit the defensive line pretty hard <laughs> last cycle uh, as we get through this here. You know, just kind of an initial list we'll hopefully see as we go through it, some of the, the maybe quality uh, ramp up a bit. But uh, looking l- looking at the defense in this episode. Yeah, I mean, look, I think anybody who watched Florida's defense last year realizes that one cycle isn't going to do it and yeah. two cycles may not even do it. And so, uh, you know, like you said, there, there's always people who get added late in the process when you're looking at when you're looking at recruiting. You know, I mean, we weren't talking about Samson Okanlola, you know, last year right. around this time. And he ends up being a high profile guy who you go, hey, look, Florida's got a shot at him. I think I think there's some good here. I think one of the things that concerns me is the distance for a lot of the different recruits, right. like how far they are from universe from the University of Florida. We've talked extensively about sort of stopping the leak in the state of Florida and those guys going out of the state. And I think that's one of the things that when you start looking, especially on the defensive side of the ball from a recruiting perspective, that uh, you know that it's noticeable how many guys are from Texas, Louisiana, and Alabama, and even a couple guys out in California and, and Nevada. So we'll talk about that. And look, I think. Um, you know, we, we talked about it last week. We talked about it the last couple of weeks. The 2024 class is off to a really good start. There's a really good foundation with DJ Lagway and, and Darius Hayes and and you know all the and Miles Graham, the guys they've already brought in there. So now this is a question: How do you supplement those guys? And so, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with a guy who's you know got a 94. 94 ranking on 24 seven. Those are, those are guys you need in order to build a program. And so some of these guys we're going to talk about tonight fit that ilk, but can be certainly be good players for the Gators. Yeah. As you, as you mentioned, Will, the way I put this list together guys, and I mentioned it last week too, but you know, some of it is kind of Intel of who's visited, who is visiting, uh, who are, you know, some, some early Intel, I just said, some some names will come about later on. Uh, But this is one where, you know, where if you followed early 2024 cycle, there's going to be some names you've heard uh, in the last weeks or last few weeks here, as Will mentioned, it's not very state of Florida centric with the the list I came up with uh, initially right here. IMG dominates a good bit of uh, the, the the state of Florida here, especially at the top. Uh, you know, so you know that's a storyline uh, we can get into at some point as well. But you'll, you'll notice, as Will said, uh, the state of Florida not um, not not will not not really represented here uh, in a lot of the names that we're going to go over right here as far as the defensive targets for the 2024 class. Before we get there, everybody hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. We're almost at 11,000 subscribers right here on Gators Breakdown on YouTube. So if you have subscribed yet do so that really helps us out here on gators breakdown and of course gators breakdown plus you get that new ad free version um if you 
listen to the audio version. You, of course, you know, you get those ads uh, there, but if you sign up for Gators Breakdown Plus, you'll get that ad-free version there, along with a lot of other benefits of Gators Breakdown Plus. Link is in the description, gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm. All right, Will, so yeah, one more time, we'll take a look at the class of 2024, the commits so far for the Gators. On the defensive side of the ball, of course, headline. The linebacker spot needed some headliners, needed some big-time playmakers. Florida's got them so far in the class right now. Linebacker Miles Graham, 32nd overall on 24-7, 31st overall on three. Linebacker Darius Hayes as well, 62nd overall prospect on 24-7 and 59th on on three. Really good start. Will and I kind of went over that a couple of weeks ago with a really good start at linebacker, of course. Had to have that start. Or actually, just not even start, but in the end, you needed guys like this in the linebacker core. Jaden Robinson, the only high school signee last cycle, needed to upgrade the position as far as numbers, needed to upgrade the position as far as talent. Miles Graham, Darius Hayes gets you there right now. Will will start. Defensive line. We'll go here. Start with the defensive line. DeAndre Robinson from Orlando. Four-star, 213th overall, 22nd defensive lineman. Right there, right here, right in Orlando. So, you know, we do start in-state here, but we're looking at it. You know, starting here at defensive line, you know, defensive tackle not as good as last cycle. Um, you know, the top two defensive linemen, this cycle in state or IMG product product. So David Stone, Ernest Willor, um, but I haven't heard much traction. Uh, either of those guys, uh, TJ Capers, Capers at Edge already committed to Louisville. Uh, he didn't even have Florida in his final top five before he committed to Louisville uh, not long ago. So you know, and then for Florida, you know, missing out on Jordan Hall, the Jacksonville product, and and, and Jordan Walker or 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 um, uh, Walker, the defensive lineman out of the Orlando area. You know, missing on those two guys. Uh, you know, really hurt. Uh, really good defensive line for Florida last class, but it's not as loaded uh, as I say this cycle for the class of 2024 along the defensive line. But we start with DeAndre Robinson, as I said, four star, six four, three hundred pounds. Uh, defensive tackle product right here. Twenty four seven Sports says he has a high motor, is strong at the point of attack. Ed O'Brien wrote there. He does a great job of playing with his hands, doesn't rely on being bigger and stronger than a majority of the linemen he goes up against. He's a disruptive force who plugs the middle, giving up no ground. There's several plays in his highlights that show his ability to beat blockers with natural leverage. He totaled 57 total, uh, had 57 total tackles, three tackles for loss, one sack per max preps last season. And defensive lineman Demirian Johnson. Oh, out of state here, New Iberia, Louisiana. He's a four-star, 6'2", 275, 272 overall, 27th-ranked defensive lineman. He's called LSU his dream school, Will. So, you know, uh, that hasn't worked out for Florida in the past a whole lot, the whole quote-unquote dream school, and then they end up going somewhere else. Uh, you hear that in Louisiana, in that state with LSU, it works out a good bit for, for, for LSU and, and the dream school moniker uh he got the florida offer from Corey raymond uh who's also from new iberia so kind of a link there uh the staff loves the disruption he creates along the line uh quote johnson has been had said my coach told me they like my power how i use that power to get through the line they love the way i play in the trenches uh he did say johnson that he will visit for the spring game uh, but then, you know, not of course, LSU is going to be probably the school to beat here. About LSU, he says, I love LSU, especially being a guy from Louisiana. That's all you know growing up. I didn't want to leave campus at all when he was on campus at LSU. I had the feeling of being at home that you don't get everywhere else. So going to visit Florida for the spring game. Maybe you get, uh, maybe you get in there just a bit uh, and kind of disrupt the LSU love here. But that one's going to be, uh, probably a little bit difficult there to pull him away from the state of Louisiana. And then uh, LJ McCray, uh, three-star, 6'5", 255, 469th overall out of Daytona, 44th-ranked defensive lineman. Um, big functional athlete with verified size, uh, can work his way into the backfield, got snaps on both sides of the ball as a junior uh, for Daytona Beach Manland program uh, that made it to Florida's 3S state title game. Uh, initially built himself as a tight end, but viewed 
by many as a defensive lineman, and for good reason. He can wedge his way through gaps, blow up protection, um, work mostly on the edge, but figures to kick inside at the next level given his frame of six foot five, two fifty-five, a seventy-nine inch wingspan, growth potential. Um, not the most explosive player at the point of attack, but can overwhelm blockers with his initial get off and sheer size on Friday nights. Uh, to end right here on defensive linemen from the Gainesville area, Kendall Jackson, three-star, 6'4", 250, 491st overall, 46th defensive lineman, plays right there at Buholtz. And 24-7 Sports offers this, a, a, screen, a scheme versatile defensive lineman with growth potential and developmental upside. His lineup in everything from a wide nine to a zero technique at the prep level, uh, but figures to settle in as more of an interior player as he's younger for his grade and is believed to already be hovering around six foot four to 50. Uh, totaled seven sacks as a sophomore before racking up 12 and a half more as a junior last year uh, while facing well respected competition week in and week out in the Sunshine State. Makes the biggest difference with his motor as he keeps his legs pumping, always looking to clean up the trash. Plays with a nice forward lean at times. Can just overpower opposing tackles and guards with his wide base initial push. Comfortable with a few passing rush moves, but must keep getting better with his hands. That will also allow him to get off blocks faster and stuff gaps. Should be viewed as a potential multi-year starter at the Power 5 level. Uh, might, might, might not be the most explosive point-of-attack player, but knows how to win with effort, which is important. Could be molded into a variety of different things, but looks like a future three or four inside heading to the senior season key player for Buholt squad that went 10 and three made a run in Florida's new 4s playoffs credited with 65 tackles 22 for loss 12 and a half sacks three pass breakups two interceptions one of which was a pick and two forced fumbles there for Kendall Jackson and will I remember watching him last year this was when Creed Whittemore had been committed to, to Florida and was watching Gainesville um, and I believe it was Gavin Hill uh, as well uh, on that Gainesville squad. And Kendall Jackson was on defense. I was sitting there, you know, looking for Gavin Hill, but Kendall Jackson is the guy who kept flashing and kept flashing and kept flashing over and over and over again. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if he takes uh, – I, lo- I love what I saw. I like the competition he plays in, like they say right here in the state of Florida. So, you know, if we're looking for maybe one riser as we're looking early in this 2024 cycle, maybe keep an eye on Jackson. Yeah, I mean, look, effort goes a long way, right? And the fact that he's got a big-time motor goes a big way or goes a long way, especially, you know, the fact that he's from Gainesville means that somebody that Florida theoretically should be able to bring him pretty easily. Somebody's going to be um, – it's easy to get him on campus. Shouldn't be, shouldn't be a difficult yeah. thing to get him on campus. Um, and, and I think he's one of the backups here, right? I mean, you look at DeAndre Robinson and Demarion Johnson are clearly the guys they're going to really target. Uh, but even if you look at last year where you've got Kelby Collins and you've got – um, Cameron James and and Will Norman and those guys at the defensive line. This isn't necessarily a place when you look at the overall roster for Florida that they need like seven guys coming in. So they can afford to be a little bit selective when it comes to the defensive line. They can make sure that they get the guy that they want. You know, we mentioned earlier, I think you mentioned that the early or you know earlier in the episode that that Florida's not really all that well represented with the defensive players, but certainly here on the defensive line, they're well represented pretty well, right? Robinson from Orlando, McCray from Daytona, Jackson from Gainesville. And I know what you're saying about Johnson from Louisiana and it being a hard sell because he wants to go to LSU. That's always where he's grown up wanting to go. But the fact that he's on this list indicates to me that he's somebody that Billy Napier probably has a relationship with from his time out at Louisiana. And, you know, so does that give Florida a leg up where maybe Johnson wouldn't leave LSU if he had the opportunity, but hey, he's going to get better playing time. He's going to get you know better NIL deal. He just happens to like Gainesville when he comes on campus. He's comfortable with the coaches, all those sorts of things. So that's one of the things I think you need to take into consideration when you see a guy who's from Louisiana is, look, the, the connections to the high school coaches, the camps that these kids have gone to as they've gotten older and older and sort of grown up through the through the through the system there, like that doesn't go away in a year. So four years from now, if Billy Napier is still recruiting people from Louisiana, I think we need to be concerned. But I think every time Louisiana pops up on a list, you go, hmm, is this someone they have a relationship with and someone who's going to have a draw to the staff, even if they don't necessarily have a draw to Florida, and that may push push the Gators over the edge. 
Yeah, well, I think we you know we've said it plenty, plenty, plenty of times throughout the years, and I know you've had the example of it, just how important defensive line is <laughs> in the SEC. So Florida needs a stack, needs a stack talent there, and we've seen it. We, we've seen just the how the lack of talent up front has hurt Florida in recent years, and guys either playing at the position or having to play too many snaps in recent years. You know, so you want to get this position figured out or this position group figured out there for Florida really good last cycle need to continue into the class of 2024. Yeah. I'm, I'm not being, uh, I, I'm not being inconsistent. I'm looking at these guys saying they can be good players. Um, I would love it if there were three, five stars that were already being targeted, <laughs> who were all leaning Florida's way. That's just not the reality right now. Right. right. And so you got to look at the guys who are listed and the guys that Florida's going after and the guys they've targeted and the guys who quite honestly have looked at Florida and said, this is a place I'd like to be in the state is not loaded in the same way it was last year. And so, you know, we, we're not just going to be able to list the top 50 guys in Florida and say, if you get the, you know, half of these guys, you're going to have a great class. It's not the way it works. You got to go outside of the state a little bit this year. But no, nah, I mean, I, look, I, I think, I, like I said, I would love it if there were three five stars on that list. That's not where we're at right now. But I think um, there are reason to believe that a lot of those guys can be good players. Absolutely. So, hey, hey, we're talking star power, right? Well, this, I think next place we go here at Edge. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're going to get your star power out there, starting with Elijah Rushing, the five-star from Tucson, Arizona, 6'6", 235. He is the 14th overall player. He is the third edge in the country, all the way from Arizona. The native, a former George, uh, former Gators tight end, George Rushing. Uh, so the analysis right here on 24-7 of Elijah Rushing, long, high upside frame with plus-plus wingspan, tall in stature with major, major physical potential to add mass, explosive edge rusher with impressive mobility, flashes elite pass rush ability with an array of moves, shows great flexibility to bend and maneuver past blocks, Displays terrific hand uses to disengage while maintaining forward momentum. Tax gaps with purpose shows ability to counter. Could continue to add strength and improve in run support. So, of course, Will, just from his father's connection to Florida, rushing an important target due to, of course, his ranking. The familiarity with gains, uh, you know, the, the program or the connection there. He's visited several times over the last year. Expected to take a visit over this summer. Nothing's been said as far as a date goes, but you know, we'll probably the hardest thing here we see it time and time again is getting somebody to relocate across the country. That's probably the hardest obstacle to overcome here uh, with rushing. Of course, you expect Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon, Miami, Notre Dame, Ohio State in the mix. Um, but also worth noting that you know his brother, a former walk-on for the Gators, recently transferred to Arizona. You hope that you know we're talking family here. We're talking the family connection of his dad used to be a, a, a Gator, but if his brother's at Arizona, do the brothers want to stay together? Uh, something worth monitoring here. Uh, but they certainly will five star with a connection to the Gators. Yeah, this is the one I think that if you look at and say. Out of all the guys on defense, who does Florida need to get a five-star talent at? It's edge rusher. Yes. I mean, you know, you think about Harold Perkins a couple of years ago. He comes in, makes an immediate difference for LSU. That's the guy that Florida had on the radar, a guy who was outside of the state that we thought Billy Napier was going to be able to pull in. Malik Bryant and guys of his ilk and, and you know, Quay Russo and, and mm -hmm. a lot of the guys who were on the edge, not guys that they could necessarily bring in. And if you look at why Florida's defense struggled last year, yeah, there were a lot of problems, but one of the big problems was they just could not get consistent pressure from their front four. And so a guy like rushing is critical to being able to do that. And so, you know, look, you got to pull out all the stops. I, I don't care that he's from Arizona. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, it's a thousand miles away. There's a reason why edge rushers are the second highest paid position in the NFL. It's basically quarterback then a pretty big drop-off to edge rusher, 
then a pretty big drop off to wide receiver, and then sort of a, a grouping of like five or six different positions that are all the same. It's because edge rushers and quarterbacks are the hardest to get. So Florida already has the five-star quarterback in this class. If they can add a guy like rushing, you're well on your way toward a really, really solid class because you've addressed the two things that everybody values, which is a guy who can get pressure on the quarterback and the guy who can chuck the ball out there as well at the quarterback position. And so rushing's a huge deal. They need elite, elite talent at the edge location. And, and you know, look, some of these other guys we're going to talk about could turn into that guy, but rushing is the guy you look at and say, all right, you bring him in, you feel pretty comfortable. You're going to be able to make quarterbacks uncomfortable over the next few years, and that's a big deal. All right, a couple more names here, both out of state as well. Uh, looking, not really looking in the state of Florida right now uh, as far as premier edge rushers go. Uh, this one might be a tough pull here. King Joseph Edwards, his name has been just around Florida a lot, but, man, it's going to be hard to pull him away from Georgia. Uh, the four-star, 6'5", 242. He's 43rd overall, uh, fifth-ranked athlete in the country from the state of Georgia, thought to be a strong lean to Georgia. Um, 24-7 offers this, you know, a potential game changer on both sides of the ball, viewed by some college recruiters as a pass rusher at the next level and others as a tight end, turned heads at both positions in the spring-winter following sophomore season as he dominated elite camps and seven-on-seven tournaments, already looks the part as he's over six foot four and over 235, thick throughout the torso, but in a good way, should only continue to add mass over the next few years. Still learning how to formulate a game plan and attack a quarterback on a consistent basis, but initial burst and ability to dip Ben tends to cause plenty of issues for opposing offensive tackles. And then one more, Jamonta Walker from the state of Mississippi, four-star, 6'2", 225. He's 207th, 207th player overall, 15th-ranked edge. He received a Florida offer last week, Will. Uh, quote, he says, it's something that had been kind of building up. I have a good relationship with Coach Jamar Chaney, and I just got the opportunity to talk with Coach Peterson today. Uh, we chopped it up on the phone. He was the one who actually offered me. So now, Will, I set up a visit for March 11th there for Walker. Uh, finished junior season, Will. 106 tackles, 24 tackles for loss, 11 and a half sacks, one interception, one forced fumble, two fumble recoveries. Uh, so three good names here, Will. Rushing top of the you know, the cream of the crop right here. Edwards, I think it's going to be a hard pull from the state of Georgia. Walker might be the guy in the end when it's all said and done an edge for the Gators. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think Jamonte Walker is going to be a very, very good player. Um, I, I'll be honest, the guy, if, if you asked me of these three, which one would excite me the most, as weird as this is going to sound, it's Edwards. Because if you pull Edwards away from Georgia, <laughs> yeah. then then that says something about what you're doing and how you're building the program. And you know that that's something Florida's going to have to win some of those battles. If you don't win the battles on the recruiting trail, you're not going to win the battles on the field when, when it comes to late late October there at the cocktail party. And that's just the way it is. So look, he's a hard lean towards Georgia. Make him a, make him an offer he can't refuse. Whether that's a relationship, whether that's nil, whether that's whatever it needs to be. Because look, if you're an edge rusher at Florida, you're going to get some playing time pretty quickly. I mean, the roster is not completely dead, but I mean, you, you just look at who they've got at edge. They've got Powell Ryland, they've got Jack Pyburn, and they got TJ Searcy. So unless Searcy turns out to be a monster coming in from coming in from this particular recruiting class, or if Pyburn takes a major step forward, you you really don't have much at that edge position. And so this is one of those where I think Napier, if he had his druthers, would want to bring in two guys. So even if Jamonte Walker commits, and let's say he commits, you know, he comes in for that visit in March and he commits, yeah. I still think that you're going after these two hard. Absolutely. And if you had an opportunity to get three, you'd be pleased, you know, you'd be thrilled with that. But if you can pull in Edwards and Walker, that's a heck of a pull. Now, obviously, you'd love to have rushing, and the fact that he's a he's a legacy and all that sort of stuff is 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 something that one makes for a nice story, but two also should give you an edge on that one. But you know, again, if you were gonna if you're gonna tell me which one are you most excited about. Like Florida needs to get some wins against Georgia, and that starts on the recruiting trail. And so if Edwards is leaning Georgia, hey, that's the guy I think you go after full tilt. If you've got your evaluation the same way 24-7 does, which is basically this guy is raw, but he's going to be good. <laughs> and so if you do – and that's the other thing, right, is if rushing goes to Arizona, you never play against him. 
if Edwards goes to Georgia, you got to face him for the next four <laughs> years. So if you're there's there's like a double whammy if you're able to bring him in. So uh, so that I mean obviously look I think Jamonte Walker is the guy that they're going to sit and I think particularly at this position they are probably looking at saying we want two guys and so they're going to pull out all the stops to bring in Walker and then um, from there bring in one of Rushing or Edwards or at least try to bring in one of those guys and put on the full court press. Yeah, and those those three guys there, you know, only three you probably could put more, but those are the ones that kind of have some early, um, early evidence behind their name. Of course, you know, of course, the connection for rushing in Florida. Uh, Walker just now recently getting that offer, and Edwards being right up the road in Georgia. Uh, the three I kind of wanted to focus on early, uh, right here. So, all right, let's get to. Hey, I ended up with more names here, Will, than I thought I would at the linebacker spot because Florida's already got two committed. So I'm probably only getting one more here. But I ended up with four names here there for the Gators, as we know, as I said. Only brought in one, Jaden Robinson, last cycle for, the, for high school recruiting. Of course, the transfer portal hard as well. But the Gators, um, as I, look, as you see it right here, Four of them I got listed, and all four are out of state. So something that's kind of a trend here uh, that we're continuing and looking at some of these targets right here for the Gators. Let's start with linebacker Aaron. Uh, I'm going to go Chiles. Uh, hopefully I'm saying that right, Will. But uh, if not, I'm sure somebody will correct me down the road. Four-star, 6'3", 220, 68th overall. He's a sixth-rate linebacker in the country from the state of Maryland. Uh, can easily play at 225 to 230. Uh, during several in-person evaluations, 24-7 uh, sports says um, his burst, his instincts, his physical style of play stood out. Team leader with high football IQ, productive, reliable player, lines up in various spots, including blitzing off the edge as an inside and as an inside linebacker. Great body control, can control to slip through gaps and dip to get around the edge. Diagnosis plays quickly, runs well, chases plays down from behind, fills run gaps as a sure tackler. Uh, athleticism is evident in person and on tape, strong against the run, willing to take on blocks, can stack and shed, navigates traffic, locates the ball carrier well, especially in the box, tackles through the ball carrier, and also delivers the big hit. In 2022, last season, he made 74 tackles with 10 sacks, 15 tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries. Uh, has an official visit scheduled to Florida in June, Already has that way you know, early on, has that official scheduled. Michigan, Notre Dame also hold early interest for Aaron. And I'm going to say it one more time, Chiles, but who knows if that's right or not. I'm going to guess Childs on that one, buddy. Childs. But, uh, there we go. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're probably right there. I'm, I'm, I'm going uh, with the accent there for some reason. No, I mean, look, I think both both Childs and Jones, I think, are actually the two that I sort of zero in on here. Not not because they're the highest ranked guys, but because they're the number one ranked player in the state. So Childs is a number one ranked player in Maryland. Jones, who we'll get to, is a number one ranked player in Virginia. And you start looking at that and say, hmm, is it is it level of competition that's kind of keeping their national ranking a little bit lower, right? When you look at Florida or Texas or even Louisiana, and those guys are all playing against guys who are elite, elite guys. Look, Maryland's not terrible. Neither is Virginia when it comes to high school football, but it's not Pennsylvania. It's not Florida. It's not Texas. And so um, – I do wonder whether those guys are going to rise as they get an opportunity to play in some of these camps, as they get opportunities to play in some of these all-star games and those sorts of things when they come up against elite competition. Now, obviously, that goes both ways, right? You come up against elite competition you haven't seen before, the game speeds up and maybe you struggle a little bit. But um, again, I, 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 go, I go with there's been such a mass exodus at Florida, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, that I, you know I can envision them signing Hayes and and uh, Graham and then two or three of these guys just because you know they only brought in a couple of linebackers total I mean you got Taraja Mitchell but he's only got a year left you got Derek Wingo who's injured and my guess is has probably one more year before he's going to either move on or uh, or move on to the NFL Shamar James is a three and out guy you got Scooby Williams we'll see he hasn't really played that much you got Jaden Robinson the guy they brought in this year in in the 2023 class and then you got Deuce Spurlock the transfer those guys both have four years of eligibility left. So, you know, look, Florida at linebacker has just struggled year after year after year after year. And bringing an elite talent at that position really does cover up a lot of sins, especially because if you've got edge rushers who are talented, you've got linebackers who are talented, all you really need your defensive tackles to do is sort of 
occupy men and then you can get in there. So the thing I'm most excited about when you read that profile for Childs is that he's solid in run support, can shed blocks and has an instinct to get to the ball. Because if there's one thing we've seen over the last couple of years, it's been Florida's linebackers really struggling in order to, in order to get to the ball carrier. Even if the defensive line hasn't necessarily held up its end of the bargain, the linebackers have gotten, have gotten occupied by pulling linemen and even by tight ends at times where it, they just haven't been able to stop anything. And certainly, you know, the LSU game with the counters over and over and over again, is a place where you think about that. But it was pretty prevalent last year, too. There were just times where Florida's defense could not get a stop on the run. And that's not necessarily like a 14-yard run. It's, you know, on first down, you hand it to somebody at seven. So now it's second and three, and you're set up in in a bad situation. So that's what excites me the most about Child's profile is that is that they talk about uh, – you know, they talk about his ability against the run. You know, if you've got a linebacker who can stop the run, in most cases you'll be able to get him at least, you know, decent in in pass or in pass defense they're not always going to be fantastic but you can you can get somebody who's decent or you get a guy who's in there and first down and second down and then you bring somebody else in on third down to take care of the pass responsibilities and so um <laughs> it's been so long since we've had a linebacker who really put his head in there and stopped the run effectively on a regular basis that uh, that's what gets me excited yes i'm going with childs but i think you're right there <laughs> um Chris Jones, next on the list, four-star linebacker, 6'2", 220, 94th overall, so another top 100 linebacker here, uh, ninth-ranked over, uh, overall linebacker from the state of Virginia, has verified size and frame to play at 230, demonstrated good chance of, uh, good change of direction during a March camp eval and was timed at 4'5". Um, highly productive player with 142 tackles, including 26 for a loss as a junior Two-way player, also gets snaps at running back, uh, much like Miles Graham there, running back and linebacker right there, Will. So some versatile guys on the defensive, uh, on the defensive uh, side of the ball and at linebacker here. Um, athletic, instinctual player who brings physical element to defense, takes on blocks, fills run gaps from his sand position uh, in Mountain View defense, is quick to diagnose, find ball carrier in traffic, Shows the ability to run down the line of scrimmage, make plays at the numbers, can blitz off the edge, has body control to make tackles in space. Sure, tackler goes through the ball carrier, shows twitch when blitzing off the edge, dip shoulder to get around a blocker, can drop into coverage and cover tight end to stay in flat, has to be consistent with depth drops in passing game, sometimes takes on block with shoulder rather than stacking and shedding. Uh, so for Jones, you, you've probably heard his name a lot recently. He's visited Florida twice uh, last year and then came back at the uh, uh, at the end of March last year. Real good relationship with Bateman. And in talking about the scheme, told Swamp 24-7's Blake Alderman, uh, quote, I am sure they will show me some more on film or at practice. They like me as a standalone middle linebacker, but they would want to rush me off the edge on third down and things like that. They want me to be versatile with them. I like the plan a lot. That is where my game is good at, at blitzing and getting after the passer on the edge. I like that part of how they use my position. So a linebacker that, you know, they can move around a bit is what they uh, what the staff is selling to one Chris Jones. Uh, and then a couple more right here on the list to Quaylen Birdsong, four-star from the state of Georgia, 6'2", 195. He's 146th rank uh, overall player, 14th-ranked linebacker from LaGrange, Georgia. He was supposed to visit in January but couldn't make it. Uh, that visit is now scheduled for March 16th, so it'll be the first time he's on campus. Uh, and to finish it off, another out-of-state, Hoover, Alabama, Bradley Shaw, four-star, 218th overall, 19th-ranked linebacker. Um, Zibbett's good play, uh, good play speed, both downhill, sideline to sideline while comfortable in space and pass coverage. So you get the Analysis here of being comfortable in space with the pass coverage as well. Productive, not back blacker, uh, not back tackler between the tackles that shows the ability to unlock and explode at the point of attack. Um, he said he would describe himself as a headhunter. Will see ball, get ball is how he would describe his game. Of course, being from the state of Alabama, strong interest from the in-state schools of Alabama and Auburn for Bradley Shaw. 
<laughs> see ball, get ball. It sounds like something out of the water boy or something. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, look, I, I think Florida needs some of that, right? Where it's it's not complex. It's not it's not uh, you know it's not the scheme where we're going to scheme you open. It's go go chase it down. All right, there are just times where you got to go out there and make plays. If Shaw does that, and look, if Nick Saban's after him, and if Hugh Freeze is after him, then that's somebody that Florida should be going after as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens here in terms of how many guys they actually take. Right? I mean, Jones seems like a pretty strong lean toward towards Florida, and that means you've already got linebackers committed at the 30, 30 spot in the rankings, the sixty spot in the rankings, and then Jones is right at the ninetieth spot in the rankings. So, two things there. One, if you end up with those three, you end up with three linebackers in the top 10 overall at their position which is something you know bill sykes has been on here a few times talking about i think it was like a year or two ago where we're talking about guys in the top 10 of their position and where florida was at and that was something that florida has just been sort of slowly going down and down and down and down over time and and the point bill was making is, is that you that tracks with winning if you start looking at some of these other programs and so i think that's a big deal if they either get Childs or jones in you've immediately added three at the linebacker position and look all of them may not work out but if you get two of them to work out all of a sudden your linebacker core is is really really strong so um I don't know that they'd have a fourth. I mean, I, I think I sort of said earlier that I would take four just because of the numbers, but I'm not sure you necessarily want to do that. So if they get Charles or Jones to commit, I think Birdsong or Shaw may end up going someplace else just because of that. But again, you know, you think about Charles being sort of that, and, and Jones is, you know, he talked about being an inside backer, but if he's going to be off the edge rushing and coming on blitzes and things like that, he's different than, than Charles. Charles is a guy who's going to come in, shed the shed the block, and, and stick his head in there and and stop the. Uh, stop the offense a la David Reese right that was a guy that I think you'd maybe think of in terms of the way his profile looks so um yeah look I, this is a position I think Gator fans should be really excited about because of who Florida already has in the room but then who's on the board that they can add and if you get dynamic linebacker play guys who can come and make the quarter just like the edge rusher right guys who can come in and make the quarterback uncomfortable but who you're not compromising in the run game against when you've got them on the field real true three down linebackers it makes such a big difference where you don't have to rotate people in i remember a few years ago that there was i think it was McElwain's first year where they had uh jeremiah moon i think was playing middle linebacker and they had to ro- they had to run him off the field every time there was a third down because they didn't want him to be out there isolated in in pass defense and to not have to do that would be a major deal and the two guys they've already got plus one more of these guys probably puts them in a position where they wouldn't have to do that in the near future. All right, next up, kind of the headliner position of the defense just because of the DBU moniker that has clearly went away at Florida, but still a big spotlight on the Gators. We're going to cornerback right here for the Gators. And you know, basically compared to last cycle, we had Carmine McLean and, and Mitchell, and then it, it, toward the end of the year, uh, you had Jakeem Jackson, you know, was, like we wasn't on our list uh, a year ago, Will, because we, we felt so strongly about those top three, deep, you know, defensive backs. Or there's cornerbacks last year uh, that you just got excited about from the state of Florida. Uh, and then Jakeem Jackson ends up being like that's how, that's how we're saying how these things can change a little bit. You know, Jakeem Jackson ends up being one of the top defensive back, one top cornerbacks uh, in the class of 2023. So, you know. For this, so you know, we'll start right here and see where it ends up for one Corey Raymond and going out and getting these kids. And a lot on this list right here, we'll start with Kobe Black from Waco, Texas. He's a five star, six foot, 190. He's the 18th overall player in the country, the third cornerback in the country. His analysis reads prototype corner size with excellent length, already good size for a corner, but still has frame space to add mass. If desired, while maintaining athleticism, promising on-field profile with extensive snaps on both sides of the ball, productive in all capacities with proven ball skills, also a dangerous return option. Displays high-level receiver-like body control and adjustments ability, knows how to high point and win throws in traffic, fluid mover with better-than-expected suddenness relative to length build when breaking on throws. His size frame should allow for bona fide press um, competency uh, while rangy play style ball skills and awareness fit off coverage zone very well high level functional athleticism fostered by a multi-sport background basketball player who produces big numbers on the hardwood also owns limited track experience 
primarily in relays. Um, pro- uh, one reason pointed him out why his name is on the list. Patrick Tony, defensive coordinator, stopped by in January while he was in Texas to check in on Black. And then another headliner, of course, the big name I think most are familiar with in the state of Florida from Sarasota, Charles Lester. He is a five-star. He is the 24th-ranked player overall, the fourth-ranked cornerback, longer cornerback prospect that has looked the part on Friday night, says 24-7 sports, and on the offseason camp tournament circuit when matched up with future Power 5 wide receivers. Hasn't been measured in a few years, but was over six foot one the spring after freshman season. Could very well now be pushing six foot two. Spent most of his junior season working in off man coverage for a defense that played a lot of cover two. However, was asked to press in certain situations that was able to redirect. Overall, pretty fluid mover that doesn't exactly labor when asked to change directions and gains depth. Uses his link to his advantage once the ball is airborne as he can swallow up pass catchers of all different sizes out on the boundary, must get better at shedding blocks and inserting himself in run support. If he wants to be more of a comp of a more of a complete defender, had five interceptions last season, also plays wildcat quarterback and wide receiver. Early returns here will for Charles Lester likes Florida, but it's going to be tough to beat FSU here for Lester. Um, other than Florida state, the Gators have hosted Lester more than any other program. Uh, he calls Corey Raymond the GOAT uh, for producing NFL cornerbacks, but um, and is also intrigued with the continuity of the Gators staff. Jamar Chaney, defensive staff member, also making a strong impression here. Uh, so, you know, Florida, of course, loaded up on defensive backs in the 2023 cycle, but you can never have enough elite defensive uh, players back there on the, on the back end. So, the lofty ranking there for Lester Will. Uh, he's visited a whole lot. You're battling in-state Florida State for Lester. And if you want another elite, probably go to the state of Texas and look at Kobe Black. There's, of course, clear interest there as Patrick Tony visits him when he was in Texas last month. Yeah, I mean, first, let's talk about Black. I get excited when they start talking about his kick return ability. <laughs> Just because, I mean, that's a guy that comes in day one, and if you're a kick returner, you're an athlete, right? And so regardless of whether you're going to struggle to get the scheme and regardless of whether you necessarily break the lineup day one, you're going to come in and contribute right away. And and Florida's going to need some of those changes, some of those plays that change games because, you know, this isn't going to be a team, at least not in the next year or two, that's going to be blowing people out of the water. It's going to take a little while for Graham Mertz and DJ Jay Lagway to really, I think, make the offense hum. And so you're going to need guys on the defensive side of the ball and guys on special teams specifically to uh, to push things forward. Again, Waco, not that far from Louisiana. Like, you know, you always sort of think about Waco as being out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Texas, it's it's not really that far away from Louisiana. So again, this might be a guy that that guys like Patrick Tony and, and Billy Napier have a relationship with, right? They would have seen him at camps and those sorts of things. And so I'm not sure that this is one where you look at and go, this is way out of line for them bringing somebody in. Lester, look, I mean, FSU may be where he wants to go, but Sarasota has to be Gator territory. It just has to be. You can't, you can't allow, it's the same thing. Like Florida State has to say, hey, if there's somebody up in the panhandle, we can't let him go down to go down to Gainesville. It's been very difficult historically for Florida to go up in that panhandle and bring people in to the Gator program because Florida State's been there. And also you've had Alabama and Auburn and, and Georgia and some other programs who've who've come in and raided that area as well. This is this is the same thing. Like Sarasota, you got to drive past Gainesville to get to Tallahassee. You need to bring in a guy like Lester. Five star cornerbacks do not grow on trees. I know they brought in a lot of defensive backs last year. It doesn't matter. You need to bring in two every year anyway. And Lester, I think, you know, black. All right, if you lose out to somebody there, that that's okay. He's far away. Um, you know, it's hard to convince a guy to go that far. But Sarasota is one hundred and what one hundred eighty miles away from from Gainesville. You, you can't be losing out on guys who are that close to home. All right, keeping it going here, and we'll go to Lafayette, Louisiana. That might sound familiar here, but for cornerback Jawan Johnson, uh, even though he committed to Colorado, still throwing him in the list here. He did put Florida in his list of finals. He committed to Colorado over Florida and LSU, the four-star, 5'11", 178. He's 189th overall prospect, 22nd-ranked athlete. Um, as I mentioned, committed to Deion Sanders and Colorado uh, not long ago, uh, back on February 4th, over Florida and LSU, 
plays on both sides of the ball. He'll start a college career at cornerback. Uh, and, you know, we'll see how this finishes out, whether, you know, Dion uh, can finish their classes. But uh, one to, to keep in uh, – is probably keep an eye on there uh, for Jawan Johnson. Cornerback uh, DeMello Jones here, four-star, 6'1", 176 from Swainsboro, Georgia. Uh, unfortunately, may look like a Georgia commitment is imminent as a junior. Jones averaged 10 yards per carry turning 122 rushes into 1,279 yards and 20 touchdowns with another 14 receptions for 384 yards and seven scores, but also a three-year varsity starter on defense as he's racked up 122 tackles, five interceptions, and 10 passes defended over that span. Uh, staff really likes him. Georgia's very high on him as well, but you're going to have to wrangle everything you can get to get him out of the state of Georgia. Uh, and to end cornerback talk right here, we'll go back in state. Kevin Levy, West Palm Beach, three star, six foot, 170 pound, 477 overall, 63rd ranked athlete. Uh, was a two way player for West Palm Beach Cardinal Newman squad that went 11 and one and made Florida's one in playoff. He caught 19 passes for 304 yards, two touchdowns on offense, made 23 tackles on defense, broke up three passes. Uh, visited for the last junior day in January. So one reason I clued him in uh, on this list, had heavy contact with Corey Raymond on that visit. Also received his offer on that visit and it moved the Gators into his top five. He's planning on summer visits and a decision before his senior season. Right there, that does it for our list of cornerbacks, Will. Yeah, I mean, look, I think Johnson, obviously, Colorado commit. That's going to be hard to get somebody to flip when they've committed this early, and especially when you consider he plays corner and who's his coach. <laughs> I think if you're a cornerback, you want to go play for prime time. I think that 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 makes a lot of sense. The The fact that a Georgia commitment is imminent for Jones um, just further exemplifies one of the things that Florida needs to fix, that you can't allow everybody who's in Georgia to just automatically go up to Athens. And, and so hopefully Florida can get into that battle. And then Look, Levy again, West Palm Beach, down by Miami. So you're not necessarily, um, you know, you're not necessarily pulling them out of Gator areas, but you need to you need to get those guys from the state of Florida. I think this is a place where you start talking about Jones and 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 Levy, and you say, all right, well, you know, Jakeem Jackson, Sharif Denson, um, Dijon Johnson, those are very very good players. We still want to bring in two or three of these guys every year, but we want to be picky in terms of who we bring in. And so if they have an opportunity to bring in black and say they can get Juwan Johnson to flip, all right, that's great. But I don't know that you necessarily want to bring in Levy just because you, you need to fill space. Like you're, you're going to have to be confident that your evaluation on him is that he's going to be a, a big time powerful power five starter for you. All right. And we'll wrap it up right here on this episode of Gators Breakdown, of course, by looking at more oh, man. Florida has to hit this one. Well, Florida has got to get some safeties. Of course, uh, the question for a team going into spring practice just in a couple of weeks, but man, really got to hit it right here in recruiting as well. And we'll start in the state of Texas here for Xavier. Will, I, 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 how do you want to say that last name? I'll, Bill I'll the same, the same. Okay, well, uh, we, uh, who knows? Charles uh, was easier, buddy. It was. I know. I messed that one completely up. I don't know what I was thinking there. Uh, <laughs> four star right here for um, uh, Xavier, six one one eighty, fifty seventh overall player in the country, six ranked cornerback, but he will play safety at the next level. Uh, McKinney, Texas, uh, in twenty twenty two, Texas District five six A first team selection as a safety as a junior. Received a Florida, uh, Florida offer on January 30th. Uh, he's now scheduled an official visit for March the 10th. Uh, he does have family in Orlando, so it's kind of where the connection comes from a bit here. He got the offer, also has family in Orlando with his mom and his grandparents. Uh, grew up a fan of FSU, though, Will, uh, but does say of Patrick Tony. Um, he said he loves my speed and how physical I am. He said I am not scared to come down and hit no matter who it is and cover anyone. Definitely what you like to hear uh, from a safety. That's what Patrick Tony had to tell Xavier about his game. And then, all right, we'll come back to the state of Florida right here. Four-star Jordan Pride, six-foot-one-and-a-half, 175 pounds. He's a 72nd overall player, fifth-ranked safety 
from Bluntstown. He is an FSU commit, as I said, bigger frame safety prospect with a multi-sport background that has impacted the game in all three phases on Friday nights. Excels at flowing down here towards the line of scrimmage and meeting ball carriers either in the hole or in the open field. Started prep career off at Bluntstown where he faced a lower level of competition. Spent a few months at IMG and got varsity snaps with the Ascenders before electing to return back home. While at the National Powerhouse, flashed plenty of range on the back end and was able to use his longer reach to eliminate throwing windows. Quick to read and diagnose. Understands how to play angles and has foot speed to close most gaps. He's a face-up tackler that can wrangle larger players to the ground. Should only get more effective in the box once lifting in a college weight room. Has the makeup of a potential ace on special teams, given how he runs and sifts through traffic. So, Will, he's visited Florida, not shut down his recruitment, even though he is committed to FSU. Uh, When he visited Florida back in January, he was supposed to be visiting FSU that weekend, and that was his fourth visit to Florida. So if you're looking for maybe an early flip candidate, we'll see what happens down the road. Not even saying this one happens, but if you're looking for an early flip candidate, Maybe Jordan Pride right here at the safety position. Well, again, you're talking about an in-state guy, right? Somebody that um, obviously comes from that area up and up. I think Bluntstown's up near Tallahassee. So, you know, somebody who grew up sort of thinking that he would end up there. Um, but the first two guys you have on this list, the sixth-ranked cornerback, which, you know, and then the fifth-ranked safety is Pride. You know, so two top ten guys at their positions. Again, that was sort of something I said earlier, I think, about the linebackers is, is that's that's not something that Florida has necessarily added year after year after year. I mean, think about Kamari Wilson. He's he's the only one who's still on the roster who's, who's at that point. Miguel Mitchell is a solid player. I don't know that he's necessarily a star. And then you've got Gates, Thornton, and Castell, Again, very solid players, but none of those guys were top ten at their position in 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 the recruiting rankings. So so Flesam and Pride, I think, are two guys that you look at and say, because of all the losses that Florida's had at the safety position, um, you know, from Rashad Torrance and Travez Johnson leaving, um, you know, and and just generally they, they were really, really strong at the safety position last year. If you looked at it sort of coming out of spring practice, and a bunch of those guys have left. Um you know, in many cases, <laughs> you know, not necessarily producing the way we would want either. So, you know, is it really that big of a loss? I'm not necessarily sure. But but these two guys specifically, I think, can add a lot to it. And again, Blunstown is in Florida. You, you got to close down the deal when you got a guy who's close nearby. Um, you're talking 200 miles from campus. Um, you know, you want to you want to build that moat as far out as you can. And, and pride's a big part of that. All right, Brandon Jacob Jarvis Boatwright. Next couple of safeties right here we'll go over before we finish it out. Brandon Jacob from Orlando, Jarvis Boatwright from Clearwater. Let's start with Brandon Jacob, 6'2", 170, 300 overall, 24-ranked safety, uh, single high safety prospect with ball skills and straight line speed, says 24-7 sports. So Brandon Jacob picked off five passes at his junior, returning two for touchdowns in Florida's highest classification on the leaner side, but has a link that everyone wants in the secondary these days as you measured close to six foot two, 175 or 170 pounds back in the spring of 2022. Can gallop to all different corners of the field and quickly clean up teammates' mistakes. Doesn't have a ton of experience in true man to man coverage situations, but isn't afraid to jump underneath routes and make a play on the ball. Questions arose early in the process about how physical he really wanted to be under the lights but got more and more aggressive as, an, uh, as a junior, showed some pop. However, he would need to improve as, as a face-up tackler, add some functional strength if he wants to reach his true potential, had a breakout season for an Evans program, which competed in Florida's new 4M classification, two-way player, getting snaps at wide receiver um, uh, and safety in 10 games, totaled 69 tackles, 10 pass breakups, five interceptions, two of which were returned for scores, as I mentioned, Forced a pair of fumbles. And last but not least, safety Jarvis Boatwright Jr. He's a four-star, 6'1", 170, 362 overall, 28th-ranked safety from Clearwater. Now, we talked about the Dream School earlier, Will. Jarvis Boatwright has come out and said the Dream School label for the Gators. Set up a visit for April 1st. Gators are trending here and wants to decide before his senior season starts. Patrick Tony, Sean Spencer are on boat right, sees playing time in all three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. Boatwright has incredible footwork, shows how quickly he changes directions, 
and the ground he can cover makes him an ideal safety due to his athletic prowess can assist um, him in covering receivers, both in intermediate and deep parts of the field, uh, adept to positioning himself uh, in pass coverage. He always shades the receiver to the side of the body closest to the football where he can make a play in any attempted pass. Burt understands the importance of attacking a runner's lower body in rush defense when squatting down in a particular area. So, Will, we talked about maybe going out of state for a lot of prospects, but looking at this list, if Florida was to get one or two from this list, kind of going with a theme here, probably in-state here for some safeties. Yeah, I mean, look, I think one of the things you're sort of seeing is that there's some out-of-state prospects up the top in some of these areas, and then the guys who are maybe the backup plans or the second guy that they will sign, right? Because if you want two, if you want two, two safeties, hey, you got to sort of go down the list, and you know, if you miss on say Pride, let's say he stays with FSU, but you can still get Phil same, and then you fill out the the depth with either Jacob or Boatwright. Um, one thing I really like about Jacob's profile is he's talking about him being a single high safety. That's something that Florida does a lot of. It's not they're not. They're not a cover two shell type of team for the most part. They're all, they very much play middle of the field closed, at least in most of Patrick Tony's um, formations. Now, sometimes they do modify off of that. So the fact that he can get out there and get to the far corners of the field are going to be important. But, you know, you're not and look the Florida defense doesn't play the same thing all the time that was one of the problems with last year is no matter what Patrick Tony tried nothing worked and so uh you know some of that was because the safeties and some of that was because of the linebackers and defensive linemen as well but um having a guy who's familiar in the single high sets I think is good you don't you know what I think it was uh, I think it might have been pride earlier that you were saying or maybe a corner earlier who's primarily a cover two guy um you know those guys just have different skills I mean it's not a coincidence that the Tampa two and Tony Dungy used to have very specific guys at the safety position. And then when you looked at other teams that played specifically middle of the field, closed type of defenses, that they had a different kind of safety too. And so you think about single high safety, you're thinking like the ideal college single high safety that just comes to mind to me is Reggie Nelson back mm-hmm. and back in the Urban Meyer days, the eraser back there. Um, you know, that's what you're looking for from a guy who's back there. So I guess, you know, you look at the profile and they say, ah, we weren't sure how physically he wanted to be. Well, that worries me a little bit about the profile, but the fact that he has a single high safety, um, you know, profile is good. Boatwright specifically, you know, he's, he's, if Florida's the dream school, then hey, that's a guy you want to get, right? Clearwater, close nearby. Um, he's saying it's a dream school, has a relationship with everybody, even if it's just as a depth piece. Bringing in a guy like Boatwright is important. But, you know, look, the guys in the 300 to 360 range turn out to be really, really good players all the time. And so if you have the spot, um, that's one of the things I think that we need to make sure that we emphasize is this class has to be 26 or 27 guys. Like they, they just have not brought in a lot of depth the last couple of years. And so there probably will be a couple of guys that you look at and go, hmm, that's interesting. They brought in an extra guy in this specific position given the given the numbers. But um, you know, given the transfer portal and the way different guys leave and that sort of stuff, um, you know, I think we're gonna see that that how you sign is going to change quite a bit. And and Florida just all over the place needs depth and and really nowhere nowhere more than safety. When you look at the roster, who they have, it's basically all guys who are either considered freshmen or redshirt freshmen or sophomores and redshirt sophomores. <laughs> There's nobody in that junior or senior category, and so they're going to have to fill that up and make sure that everything becomes more balanced over the next couple of years, and that may mean signing more safeties than we might expect. Or, you know, same thing at edge rusher. They're, they're pretty thin there. That We may see them sign more prospects there than we might expect, but um, the good news is, is that they should have them. They should have the initial counters from the standpoint of just numbers have been relatively low. Um, you know, they'll get to their 85 scholarships this year, but just barely. And so with with the guys who are going to leave next year and the year after, they're going to have plenty of space to bring in a pretty big class this year. All right, there we go. Offense last week, defense this week. We take a look at the targets right there. Compiled of just, you know, kind of what's been going on early, early on in this 2024 cycle. We'll see a lot more names added, added to the list there as we follow recruiting these next few months here, uh, visits will be starting back up in March, of course. So spring practice, visits will start happening again. We'll start hearing some new names that we can start adding to this list, of course. Um, but yeah, eager to see you know, how fast you know, maybe some commitments start rolling in. Four already in the fold, but with more visits start happening, you know what? Uh, if the, if the storylines of I get the post on Twitter, we got to commit, uh, get, get, gets to happen. Hopefully that gets to happen a good bit coming in, in, the, in the coming months, Will. 
Well, I mean, and hopefully it's happening for some of the guys we've talked at at the top of these lists, right? Guys like Jeremiah Smith and JoJo Trader at wide receiver. Guy like Jarrett Gibson at IMG, the running back. Um, those sorts of guys are difference makers for your program. Now, that is the interesting thing when you start looking at it. I mean, we've obviously talked about rushing Black and Lester tonight, but Smith, Trader, and Gibson – would be a bigger haul than the three top guys on the defensive board right now for Florida. And so, um, you know, I think that's something to keep in mind is that last year's class was extraordinarily defense heavy, especially at the top when you really start looking at the top level guys that Florida brought in. A large majority of them were on the defensive side of the ball. And we all sort of chuckled and said, yeah, well, they know they've got holes on the defensive side of the ball that they have to fill. That makes sense. But in some ways, you know, recruiting is not just. Um, is not just, hey, who are the best players in this particular class? It's looking ahead and saying what's coming up. And when you look at the state of Florida and when you look at the overall sort of landscape for recruiting this year, the the vast majority of the guys in the top area are, are offensive guys. And so I think that's probably what you're looking for overall for Florida is a very, very successful offensive class with guys at a high level on the offensive side of the ball. And considering that they already have Hayes and Graham in the fold, if they can do that, if they can execute exactly like they want on the offensive side of the ball, I think everybody's going to be very, very happy with the way this class ends up. I think if they struggle there, if they can't bring in guys like Smith and Trader and, and Gibson and and some of the other guys on, you know, Draylon Miller, other guys who are sort of on the list but haven't necessarily, you know, but don't end up coming on the offensive side of the ball, then I think we'll look back and say, look, it wasn't a strong enough defensive class to to sort of boost the fact that they weren't able to hit those high level targets. So um, it'll be interesting. Obviously, new names are going to come up as we go along, but um, you know, guys like Jeremiah Smith are not going to be guys who, uh, and guys like Elijah Rushing are not going to be guys who drop very far. <laughs> those are going to be guys you're going to mm-hmm. be chasing pretty much until they decide where they're going to go. So these are sort of a good good set of names for people to look at, but certainly there will be more as we go along. But it is interesting to me that there does seem to be that balance where everything's tilted to the offensive side of the ball when you look at it right now. Yep, it'll be fun to follow. Well, we'll follow it right here every week or when events happen in recruiting right here on Gators Breakdown. Speaking of recruiting, Will, your latest at Read Reaction, if everybody has a, uh, had a chance to read it yet, is pretty much – on the topic of recruiting in a different way, those valuing players with their NIL worth. Yeah, if you hadn't had a chance to look at it, it's not it's not necessarily Florida specific, but one of the things that concerned me about NIL specifically or NIL generally and and Rashada, that situation specifically is that it points out that you need to have a methodology for valuing a player. You need to know when to stop bidding and when, when to increase your bid. Right. And, and I think everybody looks at Rashada's number that's been reported. What was it? 13.75 million bucks and says, Oh, that's ridiculous for, for Rashada. But would it have been ridiculous if he was the number one player in the country? Would it have been ridiculous if he was the 10th player in the country? Are quarterbacks worth more than edge rushers, worth more than offensive linemen? So that was sort of the whole point of the article is to say, look, there are positional adjustments we need to make when we talk about the value of a player from an NIL deal. But then there are also just times where you got to say, look, that's too rich for my blood. If you have anchoring points where you know what someone's worth. And the reason everybody could look at the Rashada deal and say that it was ridiculous is because you know he's getting – almost double what was reported that I am Oliva for uh, for Tennessee was getting at least the athletic sort of strongly hinted that that was his deal that they got the contract for and I am Oliva is like the third ranked player in the country and he's a quarterback so if you're comparing apples to apples the third ranked player and the 50th ranked player which is kind of where Rashada was at the time shouldn't necessarily be the same. So it's a look at how to value those sorts of things. I've got some figures in there that give you sort of an idea of, okay, for a defensive end, if you look at it, at what point, at what ranking would it make sense to pay that guy a million dollars over his four-year career? At what point, you know, for a, for a, offensive lineman would it make sense to pay a guy that amount of money and really what it boils down to is the quarterbacks obviously are skewed very very high but i think it, it gives at least a good approximation for how you might think through valuing players so that you know look there was obviously some miscommunication in terms of numbers when it came to the rashada situation but one of the things that i think you know everybody in that in that chain needs to take some responsibility for is when a number comes and it just seems way outside of the realm of possibility all right, now it's time to pick up a phone and make a phone call and, and make sure that everybody's in alignment because it's so far out of out of whack in terms of what everyone else seems to be 
seems to be compensating players at that we need to take a look. And, and just having a basic model of how you would value players, I think, would be useful to allow everybody to sort of row in the same direction. And look, I, I'm sure that there's stuff going on behind the scenes right now where people are getting all those things aligned and trying to get everybody rowing in the same direction. But uh, the first place that starts is making sure that everybody understands how do we value players at certain areas. And it, again, it doesn't like I'm doing it via dollars, right? But it can be done in a way where you've got, you know, where you've got your own internal evaluations mm -hmm. and you say, this is what we place on this position for this evaluation for our offense, right? I suspect Billy Napier would value tight ends way more than, you know, than Mike Leach would have years ago, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Leach was oh, wait, four or five of, wide. Yeah. And speaking of Napier, so, so like a running back position, you know, I just, I think, I think he thinks he can have success with, you know, a, a good better running backs don't have to be the five star. Yeah, so I see people in the chat saying that'd be pay for play. Come on, guys. I think he was going back to Q Lee's point of should be incentives and contracts like first team and Oh, okay. Like Sorry, I, I, yeah. I missed that. Yeah, uh, we're, we're past that. Governor DeSantis has made sure that uh, <laughs> that any murkiness as to whether you can you could skirt those rules is now gone. Like the state is not going to come in and tell you you can't do it. So any excuse that you can't get everybody on the same page should now be gone. And, and what that means is, is now you've got the ability to communicate all the way through the channels, which means Billy Napier and his staff can tell the collectives, this is how we value players. And so this is my attempt at saying this is how I would do it. Doesn't mean it's perfect. Doesn't mean it would be the uh, the be all end all. But I think it gives you a good idea. The next time the athletic leaks a contract for a certain amount of money, one is you go back and go, did they overpay? But the other thing you can do is go, are we seeing inflation or deflation in the market? Right. One data point doesn't necessarily tell you that that prices it, it can tell you either that prices are going up or going down or it can tell you that somebody got desperate and bid for somebody in a way that doesn't make sense for the overall market and i think gauging that is going to be critical because you you have a finite number of resources that's just the way it is you know and it doesn't matter if you got a 50 million dollar war chest if somebody comes in and gives somebody 14 million bucks who's sitting in the top 30 like you're going to say sorry I, I got 50 million dollars but i'm going to spread it out over six different players or something like that. Or maybe you really think that kid can make a huge difference for your program. You go, I'm going to splurge. I know 14 million bucks is way too much, but I'm going to do it anyway, because this is somebody that we want, that we value, that if we get them on campus, they're going to be a difference maker. And so, look, I'm not saying you'll never stray from the numbers and that you'll never stray from your model, but I think you got to really have justification to stray from your model. And that's sort of the point is let's set those numbers, let's set those expectations. And then when we stray, we're at least doing it on purpose. We're not doing it because we got into a heated bidding war. Mm -hmm. We'd already pre-decided before it got emotional that this is how we're going to make decisions, which means that when it gets emotional, you have no problem walking away. You're not going to get goaded into something by, by, <laughs> by life wallet or something like that. Right. And, uh, and, and, and I, I just always think that's the best way to do things. You want to pre-decide. It's one of the things that I loved about Napier in that Tennessee game when he was going for two, you look at it at the end and go, Oh, that was the wrong decision. But they had pre-decided before the game that that's how they were going to play that game. That's what they were going to do in those situations. And they just followed through. And I think if you pull the emotion out of it and you make decisions in a non-emotional state beforehand, you end up making better decisions time, you know, over time. Now you may miss out on some things because you decide not to bid higher or you decide, you know, in a game, you decide to go for it on fourth and it just doesn't work out. But I think over the long haul, making those decisions before it's time to make the decision makes things a lot easier. Well, there we go. Readandreaction.com is where you can find that article from Will Miles. Uh, posted over the weekend there, so should be top of the page right there, Will. Yep, absolutely. All right, and you and Nick uh, coming up. Stand yeah, so so we'll actually so I'm I'm trying as hard as I can to get these articles up as audio versions as well. So you'll be able to head over to YouTube and hopefully catch that tomorrow night. And then stand up and holler will be up over the weekend as well. So we've sort of we've pushed it to the end of the week. We're we're working. We had a preseason magazine last year. We're going to do that again this year. So uh, we've been working on that in the background. So uh, the the content has slowed down not because we're not working and because we're lazy, but because we got because <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to make sure that everybody gets a good product when it comes when it comes to a preseason magazine. Yep, really good last year. Looking forward to seeing that again, too. And I uh, know the, will, uh, the work those guys are uh, putting in there. So, all right, Will Miles, readingreaction.com. Find him on Twitter at WillMilesSEC. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, 
Thank you for joining us on this episode of Gators Breakdown.